0: Ball deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is going to be a blast. I am joined by Scott Merkin, who has covered the Chicago White Sox for 20 years, and boy, does he have some great stories. But this year's team, well, they're playing better, and a big storyline right now is Tony Larusa who has stepped away due to health reasons, but this team is playing great baseball, some of their best baseball of the year, all year, right now. And uh, what what's going to happen? Is Tony La Russa coming back? Should we expect him back? Uh, and what the vibe has been around this team? So, going to talk a lot about that, a lot about some players on the team as well. This one's going to be a lot of fun now, so let's welcome him in now. Long-time beat writer, 20 years for the Chicago White Sox, Scott Merkin. All right, and I am pumped to welcome him in now, Scott Merkin, who covers the Chicago White Sox. Friend of the pod already, by the way. Scott, thanks for hopping back on with me,
2: my friend does friend of the pod get me any kind of perks t-shirts yeah we'll get drink, you a t-shirt all right
1: yeah that's good. and and be on the lookout for people you know around the ballpark clamoring when they see you like oh scott you were on flipping bats be on the lookout there for you that. go you're gonna be a superstar now i will do
2: that, <laughs> will do
1: that. <laughs> um scott i first of all, i do appreciate you hopping on with me and for i, I want to hey, talk 10. about um one of the biggest things revolving around the chicago white Sox right now tony la Russa. first off how is Tony Larissa doing, and will we is will we see him in the dugout again this season?
2: You know, I was not in Oakland this past weekend. I was off, so I didn't see him live, and I did not happen to bump into him in either of the two home games against the Rockies. But from all reports, he's doing great. You know, he had the pacemaker issue, which he had implanted in the offseason that went a little bit awry. They fixed that, and he's feeling better. He still has not been he's medically cleared to travel with the team, to be around the team but not manage the team. So, you know, that's, that's above my medical training from what I've watched on uh St. Elsewhere and other medical shows on TV, but you know, he seems to have been in good spirits. He, you know, I know he's still focused on doing what he can to help this team win as for whether he comes back, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I, I would lean towards probably no, at least for the rest of this year. I mean, there's only 18 games back after the win today. I'm sorry. 18 games remaining after the win today, so I would seem to think this is going to be Miguel Cairo's show the rest of the way with the rest of the coaching staff and the team. But who knows? You know maybe he gets cleared next week and he's ready to go. So,
1: let's say he is cleared next week. You're you're no medical expert as you said. No, you, you may be. You're just white. not qualified to be. That's um, right. That's right. So, you're you're not the one that's going to be able to clear him, but let's say he does get cleared next week. The the White Sox have been playing their best baseball of the year under Miguel Cairo, 11-4. and four. Um, It's no secret they're playing their best baseball. It's also no secret that a lot of people were saying Tony La Russa, um, wasn't the fit last year and still isn't the fit this year. Um, what Let's say he is cleared. Will we for sure see him back if they say, hey, you're good to manage the team, or will the organization say, hey, we're just going to ride this out with our guy?
2: Again, in all honesty, like nothing – you know, Rick Hahn talked to us the other day via zoom and he pretty much just stuck to, you know, he's going by what, what Tony has said so far, there really hasn't been any clear cut thing said, like, you know, Hey, if Tony is cleared to manage by his doctors, then he will be back in the dugout. That has not been said, just as it hasn't been said that even if he is cleared, he won't be back in the dugout. So we we just don't know. You know, I think, as you know, Ben from following sports overall, a team always gets that little extra push when there's some sort of coaching or managerial change, and this happens to be, you know, unfortunately with Tony's health. And it only makes sense. You know, you look at what Philly's done under Thompson. They've been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Toronto has been, had gotten a little pumped since they, you know, moved on from Montoya. Now that didn't work exactly in Anaheim, but that's a different story (laughs) there. But, but it's, you know, they have played good baseball. They're hitting the ball. That's the big thing. They were not doing all year is, you know, there were weeks where they didn't hit five home runs, let alone they did in the first five innings today. So that's the biggest thing. And if you want to put that on Tony, that's fine. But this is really, you know, I've talked to players on this team and players who are retired, that kind of scope. And they all say, you know, as we all know, it's not anything I'm breaking here. It's a player's game. Yeah. So you can have wherever you want in the dugout. It does influence things, but the players have got to produce. And, you know, the Sox, like everyone else, have dealt with some big injuries this year, along with some underperformance. So back to your original question, I don't know. I don't know what the official decision is going to be if he's cleared, if he can come back or not.
1: So, Scott, first off, you never want anything to to happen to anybody, and everybody's hoping oh, Tony no, La health, comes back. Health
2: is the biggest thing Correct. for Tony. Let him be healthy. That's health
1: is the number one thing. But Absolutely. The, the fact that we are – what we have right in front of us right now is the facts are this. Tony LaRussa has been there for almost two years. It hasn't been up to expectations. He's no. out for a little while, and they're playing good baseball. And some of the players <laughs> – have been outspoken, not against Tony LaRusso, just saying there's a little bit of a different feel around here right now. And the energy's a little different. And yeah, we we understand we're playing better baseball. Can you feel that? Can you feel a different energy around the team?
2: Yeah, a little bit, but I think, you know, it, it goes back to when you're not hitting, there's no energy. It just <laughs> looks bad. You know, when you're losing games two to one, three to two, and you're leaving the bases loaded with one out and you can't get the run home, that just looks less energy, but you know, they've talked quite a bit about this meeting that Miguel Cairo had. He took over on a Tuesday. They lost to the Royals that night, nine to seven. It was at home and they fell three under and six back at that point. So that was kind of the low water mark. Mm-hmm. And he had a meeting with the team. He talked about this, uh, this the other day after Bob Nightingale wrote about it, that he said, you know, if you're out, let me know. So I know that if you're in, let's go do this thing. And he is a very, I wish I could be half as positive as he is, this just not in my genetic code, unfortunately, but you know, he, he, he is basically, he said today before the game, 19 games left, let's go do this. He's not worried about must wins. He kind of laughs when you ask about must wins or you have to win this many games or that sort of thing. He just wants to go day by day and see what can happen. So yeah, I do think there's a little different vibe and I think that happens when there's kind of a change at the helm almost automatically. And the team is just connecting more offensively.
1: Yeah. and And the team is, responding uh last question for you about about the managerial situation sure. uh Cairo steps in is great players seem to like him no matter what happens through the rest of this season and I don't know if if LaRusa will be the manager next year or not and I know you don't have the answer to that no. but but my question there would be is there anybody here that has an influence on the answer to that other than Jerry Reinsdorf his good friend or is it just him saying, I want my friend to be the manager. And that's that.
2: Well, I think, you know, I think we, in all fairness, we have to go a little bit past their that they're good friends and they are good friends. They're like brothers. I mean, Jerry has told me that in an article I did on Tony way back when in 2006 Mm -hmm. on their relationship when the Sox were playing the Cardinals in interleague that year. But I mean, Tony does have three world series titles, six pennants. He's the second most winning manager of all time. So I think it's a little more than that, but I, I go back to what you said. I agree. I think, you know, Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, other people in the front office certainly have a say, but ultimately Jerry is the man who runs the show. So Jerry is the one who's going to decide. And I, you know, but Jerry is a very astute individual and a very astute businessman. So I think he's going to weigh all, you know, things that go into it besides the friendship that he has with Tony when he makes his final decision.
1: Manager situation aside, uh, the White Sox have been playing great baseball. uh, Eleven and eleven and four in their last stretch of games. They've been playing their best baseball of the year. Uh, Manager aside, what's been the biggest difference for this team in their hot stretch?
2: Again, back to the offense. You know, I mean, they're hitting. They they had a blip yesterday against Kyle Freeland, who's a pretty good pitcher and has pitched well against them before. But otherwise, they've you know they've they've hit the ball. They've hit the ball consistently. Look at Moncada; he's had you know, a four hit game and a five hit game out of his last six. And he's got like a 215 average for the year. He's been very much, you know, down production wise. Grandal Homer today, he's had a rough season overall. So they're getting production from guys. They expected production. Their are frontline guys are coming back along with the other guys who have had pretty good years who are, who are already hitting. So I think it's just the offensive consistency has picked up and the pitching has been pretty good all year long. Their defense is not great. They're, you know, they have the highest amount of errors in the American League. That hasn't changed a ton, but they're hitting the ball and they're hitting as you as we see the video there of Eloy going deep. They're hitting the long ball, much more. They're hitting home runs, and that's changing games for them a lot quicker.
1: One of the keys to the offensive production lately has been Eloy Jimenez, uh, yes. who is in in the last month. Hitting 337 and OPS north of a thousand, seven homers. Um, he's been a huge part of this lineup. What can we expect from him and this team throughout the last few games of the season? Will we see him DHing um, more and more, or how how are they planning on going about keeping Aloy Jimenez going and in the lineup?
2: Well, it's interesting because uh, back a few years ago, when they had Fan Fest before the pandemic, unfortunately we interviewed a group of us were interviewing him about being a DH. And he basically, without getting too graphic said, hell no, I do not want to DH. <laughs> I want to play the field. And he told us the other day, he still doesn't love it, but this is what he's got to do, you know, because of the injuries he's had to his legs and everything else. This is the the spot he's in. And I think he's kind of understanding it a little more. And he is, you know, swinging at strikes. He's not chasing out of the zone. And he's he's just he's been the guy that they thought he was going to be, and they've had in spurts, and they've had you know in in a full season early on, and when you that's you know the kind of presence, the 40 home run presence over the course of the year you can have. So again, he does not want a DH, he does not want to be the DH going forward. He may not have a say in that ultimately, (laughs) but for the rest of the year, I would say he's going to be the designated hitter, and he's done well on that spot right now.
1: A big part of the offense that isn't out there right now, Tim Anderson, uh, out with his finger entered and. injury and hasn't played in a little while now um where where is he at in his process can we expect him back in the lineup at, at any point
2: yeah he was cleared Tuesday to do more baseball activity we were watching him take ground balls today I think he's taking some dry swings Rick Hahn and Miguel Cairo both said this week that the key thing is going to be when he starts swinging how he feels when that happens and Rick said he's not putting a time to turn although there's you know not much of a table left to, to to look at. There's 18 games after today, but he said he could be back at some point next week. He didn't know if it was going to require wow. a minor league rehab assignment with Charlotte or they could just do it, you know, up at the big league level, which a lot of times they, which they've done a couple of times, I should say this year. So yeah, I mean, he could come back next week. And that would be an interesting situation because Elvis Andrus has been a godsend for this team since he's joined them from Oakland.
1: So um, over on the pitching side of things. Lance Lynn has been, Virtually unhittable of late. He has been fantastic. Also a friend of the pod. So when people think flipping bats, they think Scott Merkin and Lance Lynn. That's that's what there they remember. <laughs> so uh, Lance Lynn's turnaround this year, uh, he was great last year. And the beginning of this year, not so much. What's been behind this turnaround that has gotten him back to being his unhittable self?
2: Well, you know, he had the injury in spring training at the very end mm-hmm. and had surgery. And I think the beginning part when he struggled, it was just kind of like his extended spring. It took him a little bit of time to find everything he's, you know, Lance is doesn't say a lot, but he can turn a phrase pretty well. And he said, you know, <laughs> get, getting your butt kicked teaches you, you don't want to get your butt kicked. I'm paraphrasing pretty much. Yeah, And I think he kind of learned what he had to do or not learn, but figured out what he had to do moving forward. And he's been, I think he's got a two, one, three area now over his last 11 starts. And he's going to face Cleveland again next week. in that big series, you know, where, which could really decide the season for, for both teams. So, yeah, he's, he's been back to the form they saw for, if not all of last season, at least, you know, the first half and then some last season.
1: Um, this one's pretty simple for you. How okay. fun has it been to watch Dylan C's pitch this year?
2: Yeah, Dylan's great. I, I have to admit, I think, you know, everyone, it was, a sad, it was a Saturday night game against the Twins. The game was long over. They were up 13 to nothing. And it came to the ninth inning, and I think we're all like, this would be cool to cover a no-hitter. This is going to be cool to see. And then, of course, the one-one pitch and Luis Arias, who's leading the American League in hitting yeah. right now, the pitch before fouled one off his foot. So maybe he was sandbagging a little bit there. He was kind of limping <laughs> around, and the next pitch he lined into center field. And I wrote this in my newsletter and have had some interesting responses. But with the game thirteen nothing, I don't know if this takes the edge away or it's not hard competition. But I would have thought of intentionally walking him at that point. You know, and that's oh, yeah. no offense. I'm with you. There's no that's no offense to anyone else in that lineup, but they had already taken Correa out of the game. I believe they had taken Kepler out of the game. So the only, the, the best chance you have against cease is Arias. Now, again, if it's one, nothing or four, nothing or six, nothing, you go after him, of course, but at 13, nothing with two outs in the ninth, either I'm, you know, intentionally walking or throwing four pitches way away from the zone, but credit to Dylan cease. He wanted to go after him. He wanted to finish it off with a floors against the best hitter on the team. And, you know, the highest average in the American league, and it just didn't work out. But, He's been phenomenal. Interesting guy too. Really fun guy to talk to. Has a lot of various interests outside of baseball, which is fun to explore. But has really has really taken. He's already was pitching like an ace, even though he, for some reason he wasn't an all star. But now he's kind of taken it up to the next level. You've seen him kind of hit into a second gear mm-hmm. during this, the second part of the season.
1: He is. uh He's a really good dude, and one of those other interests you're talking about. He's a big disc golfer, which I like disc yes. golf as well yes. so we've talked a good bit about that in the past but Scott you and I are going to stay away from the Cy Young conversation during our conversation I wonder here. why because we might why. be on different <laughs> sides of that fence my friend I, but I
2: think it's a really uh it's a really interesting there's what probably four really good candidates and there at least right I mean yeah. you know Justin Verlander who you may know mm-hmm. uh Dylan Cease I mean uh Valdez Valdez has been outstanding right yeah. he's been tremendous and then uh Shane McClanahan and then, of course you automatically got to throw Otani in just because yeah. he's so un- unbelievably ridiculous yep. that you know he he could he could legitimately finish top five in Cy Young and top two in the MVP. I, I, I've never heard of that. Before I, I, <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's <laughs> I think I think the thing about that is if you take away what Shohei is doing on the offensive side, Shohei's pitching numbers legitimately put him in that conversation. Yeah, is he one and two? No, that's probably Justin no.
2: and Dylan. But is he legitimately a top five Cy Young guy? Absolutely, I would think, I think you have to, I mean, I, I've never, you know, you talk to starting pitchers and Dylan, actually, it's funny because Dylan had three hits in a game against the Reds last year. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him early in the season about, you know, the DH coming in and no more hitting in the national league. And he was kind of sad about that. He said he started as a shortstop, but we were joking about, you know, these four days. In, and I'm sure you've talked to Justin about this. These four days in between starts are no joke. You know, they, mm-hmm. that's designed for them to bounce back. And Otani's taking four bats and running the bases every day in between his (laughs) starts. So, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see, I know there are more players starting to gradually go into kind of the, maybe explore a little bit of the two-way thing, you know, pitching and hitting, but I don't think we'll ever see anything what he's done the last couple of years. It's, it's pretty remarkable, especially the way he's pitched this year on top of his continued offense.
1: I agree with you. Have you, have you gotten to watch him up close and personal this year? I have,
2: I have, I saw him pitch in the series they were in Anaheim and I think he, and he was, off that night and struck out I think 12 and 5 and (laughs) 5 and 2 thirds or something like that so it's it's crazy the stuff he has it really is
1: truly unbelievable uh along the lines with the pitching still we talked about Lynn and and Cease now this is a little different pace here but a guy I I wanted to ask you about because he got Tommy John surgery earlier Garrett Crochet but he's already back throwing flat grounds uh how is he doing
2: He's doing great. You know, we've talked to him a few times. He's with the team right now. And, uh, you know, he's he's working out. He's getting closer to the comeback, uh, you know, fit, to start, start throwing off the mound and that sort of thing. You know, it's interesting because he said he's approaching this rehab process as kind of viewing that he's going to be a starter next year. Now, I'm not oh, sure wow. with his innings total last year and then missing this entire season, unfortunately, if that's going to happen. Also, he's so darn strong in the bullpen, you know? So, I mean... I understand that's what he wants to do eventually. And that may be where he is, but it may be one of those things like what Kopech did last year with the Sox Mm -hmm. where Garrett pitches out of the bullpen, but is a guy who starts in some double headers, you know, he gets like five or six starts and then gradually moves into that starting rotation. Amazing stuff. Really. I think has learned a lot in the years he's been gone and I, the years he's been there. And then the year he's been gone this year and seems very, you know, I don't want to say level-headed, but very excited about what the future holds and feels good as he's, as he's working through the rehab process.
1: As we sit, 18 games left in the season after the victory on Thursday for the White Sox over the Guardians, three games, three games back. They are and nobody in between. Guardians at the top, White Sox three back. What is the vibe in the locker room these days, and do they believe that they can get this done and win the AL Central?
2: They absolutely do. They have three head-to-head coming up at Cleveland next week, Tuesday through Thursday. It's going to be, I think, you know, top pitchers on both sides going in that series and they have six to close the season, six of the final nine are against Minnesota. So it's uh three in Minnesota, three in San Diego and then three at home against Minnesota. Wow. Here's the kicker. Cleveland closes. We might've talked about this last time I was on Cleveland closes with the rare six game homestand against Kansas city <laughs> because of the lockout games from earlier in the season. So that could be beneficial because let's face it, Kansas city's not very good. Right. So It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Cleveland's got five this weekend against Minnesota and the Sox on the same side have six against Detroit, who also is not very good. So it's there for them. You know, they, they've fallen a little further back than where they were when they were making the big run, but there's still three with three to play. And those three are important because Cleveland also has the nine, seven head to head edge. Cleveland has the head to head edge over in a three-way tie if Minnesota gets hot So all these things come into play because there is no tiebreaker anymore, right? For the division title, there is no, you know, playoff game or playoff games. So yeah, I think it's there for them and they believe it. They really believe that they can win this division and that, that, you know, it's so weird though, because as AL central has been so bizarre all year, you know, Cleveland had scored one run in four games total. They lost five in a row and then they, you know, you're like, okay, well, they're, that's it. You know, they're a young team. They had a great year. They're done. And then they go and win six and eight of nine. And the only game they lose is when Class A, who's really one of the best closers in the game, oh, yeah. walks the seven and eight hitters in the Royals lineup to start the ninth and they give up two runs.
0: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest Home Services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house. Whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool with over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
2: And then, you know, the Sox had gone 2 and 10 and they looked done. They're going to run to get back in it. Minnesota got swept by Cleveland last weekend going for the sweep tonight against Kansas city and then coming to Cleveland for five. So it's so, you know, mumbled that I think any of those three still have a chance to win the division, even though it's really Cleveland's going to have to work to lose it. You know I mean? If they go into Chicago next week, if they go three and two this weekend and go into Chicago and go two and one next week, then they're in pretty good position going into the final weeks.
1: So that is, that's a, a huge, Huge series remaining. Uh Guardians, yes. White Sox, three games set next week. The Guardians hold the uh the season right the season record over the White Sox right now. Um but, but if the
2: Sox sweep, then they went Then they correct take the 10 which is edge. which right. is
1: big. So a sweep there would be huge. You mentioned today the the starter that the Guardians threw out there as kind of setting up their rotation. Are both teams kind of setting up their rotation to to best face each other off in that three game set coming up?
2: Well, I think Lucas was on turn today and they just moved him back one day and Lance, who with the off day Monday was on schedule too, was able to start today. So yeah, I mean I, I don't know how much setup, but I mean, I think from what you hear from the Cleveland people, starting Gaddis today was more a function of they have a five game series against Minnesota. They have a doubleheader Saturday. If they would have gone with Tristan McKenzie today who was scheduled to throw then it would have been a rookie Friday, a rookie in game two of the doubleheader Saturday mm-hmm. behind uh, Shane Bieber, and then a rookie again on Sunday. So that's a lot to ask of your bullpen, right? Unless one of these guys just steps up and, you know, pitches six or seven innings. So, you know, I mean, but it looks like if Savali is healthy, it's Savali, McKenzie, and Bieber next week for Cleveland. And I think it's, I think Lennon Cease or two of the starters. Of the Dox, it might be Giolito as the third one. Man. So it's, it's going to be a great matchup. That's... It should be a great series. And, barring something going sideways with either team this weekend, it should be, you know, for division control, if not the division title,
1: man, that's going to be so much fun. Who would have thought the white Sox? we all would have assumed would have run away with the division. That's not the way this year shaped out. And we didn't imagine the guardians would be where they are, but the white Sox are playing better. Now the guardians are where they are. They are good. Whether people want to admit it or not, they're a good baseball team. And we are in for a, that'll be a great series. Um, Scott, one last question for you before you go. This one is on a. Uh, this is about you, a personal note here that I want to ask All you. Um, I'm afraid you've been. No, no, no. It's about you know. It's about <laughs> baseball. Kidding, We're kidding, not going down any weird. Uh, so you've been <laughs> you've been covering the team and, and in baseball for a while now. Covering the White Sox and in your time covering the team, looking back over the years, what has been uh, one memory
2: that sticks out to you that you will never forget? Covering. Wow. Okay, I have two. One is. Well, I mean, three really, obviously covering the World Series, Mm then winning the title. You know, I've lived my whole life in Chicago, and I've seen two World Series championships, one on the north side in 16, one on the south side in 05. So seeing that final out and actually looking at the dugout and seeing Ozzie hugging his three sons, that was a pretty cool moment to to remember. And the 2008, the blackout game, which now doesn't exist anymore, the play-in game between the Sox and the Twins, to get to the, to win the AL central mm-hmm. was probably the best single game I've ever witnessed covering. It was, you know, they, it, it, they, all came in black for the game. It was a sellout. It was a great pitcher's duel between Nick Blackburn and John Danks, Jim Tomey in the seventh inning, hit a 465 foot Homer for the only, the game's only run Ken Griffey jr. Who was nearing the end of, you know, a ridiculously uh, spectacular hall of fame career threw out Michael Kadire trying to score. With AJ Puzinski making a great catch and tag, and then Brian Anderson made a diving catch for the last out of the game, and the Sox won the series. I'll never yeah. forget that game. On the flip side, I was at Midway Airport when Mark Burley finished off his perfect game. <laughs> I had the I had, I had the day off because they were tied for first with Detroit, and that Friday was going to be a rare doubleheader because it was a makeup game. Yeah, so I decided to leave Thursday and be there for you know the noon start in Detroit. And I'm literally at the gate when Dwayne Wise makes the catch and Jason Bartlett grounds out to Alexi Ramirez. I've had bad luck with perfect games. I was (laughs) off in 2012 for the Seattle series when Philip Umber threw the perfect game, and an intern we had on his third day on the job covered that game. So, must be a great memory for him, and I—I I missed them both, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> well, twenty years covering the team, you're bound to have some moments like that, but some really, really good Definitely. ones in there as well. Oh yeah, you, there's been Which some you certainly ones. have, and the best of those being being on flipping bats. So, Scott, of course, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me, man. This is always a lot of fun. Good luck to you down the stretch. Good luck to your White Sox. This is uh, this is going to be a blast, and I look forward to watching you cover it. Thanks, Ben. Anytime. Look forward to talking to you soon. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. All right. I just wanted to thank Scott again for joining me. What a blast and absolutely incredible that he's been covering the White Sox for 20 years and the perfect game from Mark Burley. He watched it at an airport terminal. Unbelievably bad luck. This is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch though. White Sox, guardians neck and neck. The White Sox are catching them, but they got a good series coming up. Thanks again to Scott for joining me. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe, like anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple spotify wherever it is hit that subscribe button also all social media follow along twitter instagram facebook tiktok and you can watch every single episode as well at Flippin' bats pod i hope you all enjoyed this one thank you all for listening have a great weekend and i will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' bats